0: Broadcasting from Singapore and broadcasting all around the world. You're listening to the Ignite EdTech Podcast with Craig Kemp, created by an educator for educators and streaming to the world. Now, over to your host, Craig Kemp. Hello and welcome to episode 126 of the Ignite EdTech podcast. I'm your host Craig Kim, and I'm honored to have you join us for the second to last episode of the season. I continue to work with the incredibly talented Mark Quinn to improve the final audio quality of this podcast. He has his own podcast production studio that provides editing and mastering services to content creators. To connect with Mark, Please see the details in the podcast notes below. Tool that has positively impacted the authentic and purposeful use of technology into classrooms and meeting rooms that I have worked in is Skew the Script. Skew the Script is an incredible lesson planning resource that makes mathematics relevant and real. Skew the Script offers free AP statistics, Algebra 1 and Algebra 2 lessons that situate mathematics in relevant contexts. Is college worth the cost? Are electric cars actually greener? Can you make a living as an influencer? Who's the best basketball player of all time? Their lessons challenge students to tackle these questions with statistics, mathematics, and critical thinking. Real, high-quality data has been carefully located and collected for each lesson on topics that students will definitely find interesting. AP statistics and algebra teachers can use these materials as a supplement to their existing curriculum, although... As more contents added, skew the script may eventually function as a standalone curriculum. The prompts can definitely be used outside of just AP as well. So if you teach mathematics in a different curriculum, you should definitely check it out and share it with your colleagues. Detailed teacher guides provide teaching tips and course alignment info too. In addition to guiding students through a lesson in class, teachers can assign a lesson video as homework after teaching the basics of the concept in class. Some support for online learning gives teachers additional flexibility. On the flip side, teachers could require students to watch the relevant video before introducing a concept to help them feel more connected to their learning, and as an extension, they could have students find additional data to analyse. I highly recommend that you take a look at the link in the description below, skewthescript.org. Last week, I talked about the work I'm doing with schools and ministries globally, if you're interested in learning more, go back and listen to last week's episode. This week, I wanted to talk about your plans for the summer and to give you an overview of what I recommend you do when it comes to your own tech learning. At this time of the year, many schools globally are ending their school year and moving into summer break. Many of our Southern Hemisphere listeners are reaching the mid-year break and winter. No matter where you are and what you're doing, this is relevant to you as you think about re-energizing and reinvigorating yourself. As I think about my trip to Brazil that I'm embarking on as you listen to this episode and my break coming up with family in the UK in a couple of weeks time, I think about what I need to do to be better and do better. For me, the first thing that energizes me is time with family. I want to re-energize with the people that mean the most to me. But realistically, I need to be responsive in my role with EduSpark and take calls and demos with schools as needed wherever I am and whatever the time is. Being present when needed but available to expand and grow is a core component to the flexible lifestyle that I have as an educator, leader, and EdTech founder. This is not different to you as an educator in the classroom. We all need to continue to learn and grow and be present while finding time to relax and revitalize ourselves to be ready for another year ahead. Over the break, I recommend you give time to learning about these three areas of EdTech. Number one. Discover the power of artificial intelligence and what AI can do for you as an educator. How can it save you time? What ways could you use it to help you do admin jobs? Or be better at processing things next year? Could you use it to plan for next year? Connect to ways of simplifying newsletters to parents? Could it add value to your assessments? Do some research, exploring. Follow people online and be comfortable with embracing it. Next academic year, AI will be a part of what you're doing, whether you like it or not. Your job is to be ready and comfortable. You don't need to be an expert. Number two, learn about yourself and what makes you tick. Take time out to think about what truly works for you and how to be better. Understand yourself and what you need to be better at. Is it taking more regular time out, learning new tools, understanding AI, starting later or finishing earlier? to be better and work during your prime work cycles, not taking a laptop home at the end of the school day and stepping away from the role and being more present with your family. I recommend you write down one or two ways that you want to be better next year or next semester and stick to it. Share it out to your PLN online or email it to someone so that you follow through with it. Number three, the final thing and recommendation from me is to rest. We are busy Take time out and don't feel bad about it. Don't think about learning or school. While learning is important, so is rest. Rest your brain, rest your mind, and have at least a few days of the week without thinking about work for next year. Do what you love, zone out, and rejuvenate everything. To learn more, please connect and follow on your social channel of choice and don't hesitate to reach out with your thoughts and ideas. Every week, I bring you a short interview with some of my heroes, an engaging learning experience with someone who makes a difference in education every day with a particular focus or angle towards educational technology. This week, I had the pleasure of chatting with Ken Morrison. Let's have a listen to the chat. Today, I have the honor of speaking with Ken Morrison, who you may know as at thismighthelped on Twitter. Ken and I have been connected for many years, and I'm always in awe of his positive energy, willingness to learn, and desire to change and lead in the edtech space. Ken is an Apple Distinguished Educator, Certified Google Educator and Innovator, as well as Certified in the Adobe Suite to a deep level. He's currently based in Johor Bahru, Malaysia, after being abroad for almost 15 years, and is the Digital Learning Coach at Raffles American School. Ken, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Are you ready to talk about education and technology integration?
1: Absolutely, Craig, and thanks for the great introduction.
0: Awesome, mate. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your current
1: role and what inspires you to do what you do? I wear many hats at Raffles American School, but my core role is supporting pre-K through 12 teachers and students to meet their classroom goals with technology. That can be through PD sessions or meeting with teachers, co-teaching, co-planning, or coaching. And I also teach a few ICT and coding courses where my primary focus is on helping students reimagine how they use technology to spread their ideas. I also enjoy assisting and leading in other capacities, such as student council, and helping to plan some all-school activities at the 6 to 12 level. These past two years, I've been quite involved with the house system at our school and creating friendly competition and camaraderie among students. So I'm really busy, but every day is different and I really have a lot of fun.
0: I love it, Ken. And I can just tell by every time I have a conversation with you, how energized you are. And you know, I said in the introduction that you've been abroad now for a long time. You actually moved abroad in 2009. Tell us a little bit about that experience and what it's been like as an expat educator and, and what that means to you?
1: Yeah, it's been truly life-changing and I'm surprised at how fast the time went. Uh, I, I first moved to Korea after earning two scholarships in grad school where I could study and teach at any school in the world where we had a partner school or affiliation through one of the professors. So, I'm very thankful for Emporia State for allowing that and I made the really good choice of choosing my trips. not based. I chose it based on the professor's who I wanted to learn from during that summer instead of the destination. And of course, going to Thailand and South Korea were two very big bonuses. I enjoyed both countries and helping the students there, but I was deeply drawn to Korea because because I have many Korean friends. And the fact that Three of my hobbies are very much embraced there as as a nation, and that's education, technology, and baseball. So, is a great great choice for me to move there in two thousand
0: nine. Oh, I love it. Yeah, what a cool combination of things, and I'm sure the experience was incredible as well. You stay up to date, Ken, in so many spaces, including Apple, Google, and Adobe, as I highlighted earlier on. Tell us about these certificated programs and what listeners here today could gain from following in your footsteps.
1: Yes, I'd be happy to. I am so thankful that these three organizations provide so many free resources for teachers. It helps us stay fresh. It helps us spark curiosity. And before I go any further, I'd like to share my recollection of a Memorable and meaningful posts during the pandemic. Someone posted something kind of similar to, during these times, we're not Apple teachers, we're not Google teachers or Microsoft teachers. We're simply teachers working together to do whatever it takes to help students go through this scary time. I took some screenshots at the time, but I also filed that in my head. So I really tried to remember that because that has definitely stayed in my brain, and I think that you feel the same way. All these organizations, they provide so much great resources for us. I'll start with Apple. During the first half of my life in Korea, I worked at Hanam University. The government kind of has a lot of control there. As they did at the time anyway of how many students you can recruit each year. So the core way that you can grow as a university is through recruiting international students and retaining the current students that you have. So I helped my students uh, my media students um, create media and social media presence to help our university meet these goals, and that really helped get the attention of Apple, and I became a Apple Distinguished Educator in 2013, and I've been very lucky to be invited back to the regional and global institutes for each of the past 10 years, and I've presented several times, but more importantly than that, the relationships that I made through these conferences and throughout the year, they've really helped me transition to international schools and it truly is a special community that uh, it's just a great community of educators that Apple's helping to foster. And I'm excited to go to Australia this, this summer at the Gold Coast to pick up where we left off. So I'm excited for that. The best way to start, on, to start on that path for anyone listening is through the Apple Teacher Program. The modules are free, they're straightforward, and creating your Apple Teacher Portfolio really can transform your teaching, and your mindset towards teaching with tech. Apple introduced that um, a little more than a year ago, and that seems to be going quite well. So I, that's something to check out if you haven't been at the Apple Teacher uh, platform for a while. And I also want to include Google, of course. Google has played an important role in my professional development. At a minimum, I think that going through the Google Certified Educator Program, those modules are great for learning what creators of the tools have envisioned when they're creating the tools. I love to see some of my friends highlighted as the teachers in the examples, and Google made the certification courses less difficult in recent years, so I encourage people to get certified. More, more important than the badge, I do feel that the modules are quite valuable to help teachers help students, and I would highly suggest taking a look at those. Um, this past October, I was really lucky. I, um, I was chosen to join the Google Certified Innovator Program. And I'm more than halfway through this year-long investment, and I'm absolutely loving it. My Innovator program focuses on reimagining professional development at schools through inquiry learning and based on teachers' passions. My mentor for this has been Georgina Dean, who's quite famous, well-known, and very helpful on Twitter and other spaces. And so she's been very helpful for me, and I'm very thankful for her wisdom and guidance. And of course, you and EduSpark, um, EduSpark has been embedded in, in my Google Innovator project to some level as well. At Raffles American School, we definitely put use them side by side, and it was very, very, very helpful. Of course, I can't go without mentioning Adobe. If you have not been, if listeners have not been in the Adobe space for a few years, you definitely want to check it out. My relationship with Adobe goes way back to when I produced TV commercials in the early 2000s. And I had this really sweet workstation in my studio, but I knew I could never have been able to afford the high-end equipment and the high-end Adobe software at at home. But looking back on those days, I can only tip my hat to Adobe and how they have been able to maintain the respect of full-time professional creatives while also making so many resources available for free. To teachers and their recent things of dipping their toe in in ai and other things is just really really remarkable and just simply fun and the adobe education exchange program that platform is a great place for teachers to sign up for free you can sign up for free courses connect with other teachers you can also create you can share some of your work there too and it's a really nice positive overlap with some of the other programs that i mentioned
0: yeah it's really incredible ken what you've done and all three of those are inspirational programs to be a part of and we'll make sure the links to all of the things you've spoken about are in the podcast notes as well so if you're listening and you're interested in following ken on this journey um, we'll put ken's details in there as well as how to be involved in some of these other programs too now you know you you use all of these things you've spoken about, Ken, in various ways, including in your role as a digital learning coach. What are the best and worst parts of this job, and and what are some of the highlights of this role?
1: Sure. Um, I transitioned from university to uh, international schools in 2015, uh, down in Busan Foreign School in in Korea is where I started, and I'm really, really glad that I made that transition. I love both careers in a major way. But um, I'll share three of the best parts for me. I'll say that because of my presence on campus, students are constantly just kind of coming up to me to show me cool tools or websites that they found or some project that they created and they're proud of. Um, that's definitely my favorite. And But it is fun to see steady transformation of a school. That is rewarding for me. And I do find joy in helping busy teachers get unstuck. Teachers simply do so much to help students, to help each other, and If I can help make their life less stressful for teachers, it makes me happy. And then on the flip side is that if I can help teachers find joy through curiosity of a new skill in tech, that also always makes for a good day. And as far as negatives, um, it's not a major issue. And I think a lot of tech coaches kind of feel similar if they wear a lot of hats. Um, but I would say it is a challenge. Basically, I always feel bad if a teacher reaches out for their one of the first times and I happen to be busy in another part of the school. I do get nervous sometimes that that teacher might stop reaching out if they perceive that I'm too busy. And I think that kind of comes with the territory. Um, I would say that's sometimes a negative, but of course we can always problem solve and figure something out. So things are always changing. Um, but that is fun. It's fun for me to, to, to ride through change, but I know that that also adds stress for teachers sometimes. So I try to prevent that from happening if I can.
0: Absolutely. And yeah, yeah you're definitely not in, uh, Alone on that boat, Ken. I think as a tech coach uh, and working with schools all over the world, I think it's a very common feeling uh, when you're there to support and guide people. Um, and there's different ways to get through that and support people around you as well as in trying to work through all the things that you have to work through. So it's really impressive what you've been able to do. Ken, let's jump into some quick fire questions. The first thing that comes to your head, and, and maybe a brief why, what's your favorite? tech
1: book or resource? Um, sure. I will answer your question, Craig, but just as you're talking, I just want to tip my hat to you. I've been learning from you from back in my Korea days, and you've helped so many teachers around around Asia just feel a little bit more comfortable with tech and feel enthusiasm for learning in general and not just tech. And I just hope that sometime this summer you get to reflect a little bit and realize what a cool thing you have been doing and what you are doing now with EduSpark spark and everything Thank else you You're, I really appreciate on my that. saturday morning bike rides I truly love hearing your voice almost every week and um it always gives me a, a little bit extra spark and, and it's a great way to start the weekend.
0: Thank you mate that's very very kind I appreciate that.
1: Of course. Um I believe the question was favorite edtech resource. I'm actually going to say that my edtech I, it's not an edtech book But I was recently taking the coach program and she continually referred to an awesome book called The Art of Coaching by Elena Aguilar. And I'm going to say that that's my favorite resource at the moment because it helps me give technology wings on my campus because it helps me be a better digital learning coach. So I feel like that's at the moment that might be one of my best resources because it helps me be a better teacher and helps me set my mindset when working with teachers and think just a few more steps ahead and more strategically and I re- i'm really enjoying that book and i also i just started matt miller's new book on ai in the classroom and basically anything that that man puts into the universe i i like to support because he does so much for educators as well
0: yeah matt's incredible definitely uh i saw that pop up the other day actually and i was chatting to matt very recently um as he was finishing it all up too so I've, i'm something that I need to jump onto. I'll make sure the notes uh, have the link to that too. What's your go-to edtech tool, Ken, that the listeners need to try?
1: Sure. I'm going to repeat something that another one of your guests said um, not too many months back. And I'm going to say that Basically, I don't use Apple Keynote as a presentation tool. I use it to create interactive multimedia workbooks and learning experiences. And I teach students how to do the same. So I'm going to say that that's my biggest tool. That I help the students use voice button links to choose their own path to learning and to represent the work that they're proud of and have, give them many multiple ways to show progress towards a learning objective. It's now embedded in basically every part of my teaching day and several parts of my personal life as well. I just absolutely love that tool, but I don't use it quite, I I don't use it solely as a presentation tool for sure. I create templates for, especially for the elementary students. I airdrop it out and I love to see them work, work through them and create something a little bit differently. Sometimes even different than I expected, so it's really good for differentiation. And then for my grade 10 students, I... Right now, they're working on their year-end digital portfolios. They'll be finishing it up um, basically today and tomorrow. And they do that in Keynote instead of websites. I, I have some on websites. I have some on Keynotes. And I have them connect to the seven ISTE student standards. And they share their favorite projects. They use their voice to talk about why it's effective. They make interactive buttons. And they really enjoy it. Um, so, And they have a polished final project that they're really proud of. So I'm going to say keynote.
0: That's really, really cool. And what's one daily habit or practice that helps you enjoy, progress, and succeed in your career, Ken?
1: I would say that listening to podcasts and audiobooks while I'm moving, that is definitely a daily habit that helps me um, every day. It helps me reconnect with my why, and it also helps me close my exercise rings and it just it gives me something to look forward to because i've basically i think it's james clear and others who always say to to try to pair two things together that you like or something you like with something that's a bit of a burden so it it helps me look forward to exercising and sometimes helps me go longer because i want to see how the chapter ends or what's happening in the next podcast so i'm i'm going to say definitely listening to podcasts and audiobooks while i'm moving outside I do live in Asia. We are all busy, but I feel like it'd be a shame if I'm not experiencing life outside of my apartment and classroom. So that's, that definitely gives me energy.
0: Love it, Ken. Love it so much. Um, I'm very similar in terms of listening to podcasts and getting out and about. And I couldn't agree more. There's so many things you've shared today Ken and I know that the listeners are going to want to follow and connect with you. What's the best way for them to do that?
1: I do love to connect and learn together with other people, so please do reach out. I love to learn from people in different disciplines and different subjects that they teach, different roles at schools. I have I they don't match up perfectly, but on Twitter I am at this might help ED and then on LinkedIn it's very very similar, but it's this might help EDU. And hopefully those handles will help you if you search for my name, that you'll be able to find it on the platform that those two will be recognizable.
0: Awesome, Ken. Thank you so much for your
1: time today. Inspirational as always. Thank you so much, Craig. Thanks for all your podcasts, your time and for helping me out through this process. So I'm excited for the next steps with with you, with EduSpark and to continue learning. And we've only met face-to-face, I think, one time in our seven, eight years. But I feel like (laughs) I know you quite well. So I just want to thank you for everything you're doing.
0: Thanks, Ken. appreciate that. Next week, join me for episode 127 of the Ignite EdTech podcast when I'm joined by Mandy Chan, the last episode of this season of the Ignite EdTech podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow us, and share the podcast with your PLN and colleagues. Please remember to spend a few minutes to rate this podcast too on your podcast channel of choice so we can reach even more educators and edtech enthusiasts globally. Remember, you have the chance to win as well. Check out the links in the description for more, and I'll see you again next week. If you like today's episode, please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss another episode and be in the drawing to win prizes every week. If you know others that would enjoy the show, please hit that share button and brighten their day. Join us again next week for your weekly EdTech hit with at Mr. Kemp NZ.
1: We'll see you again soon.